Coming to you from Final Third Cigar and Whiskey Lounge in Ingalls, Indiana. Indiana's exclusive Aladino Cigar Lounge. It's the Final Third Podcast. Welcome back to the Final Third Podcast. I'm Rob. And I'm Isaiah. And today we are going to be starting our new pairing for November. So this is going to be a pairing for the entire month of November. Um, we are pairing the new Pi Synesthesia Red. This is um, the second in the line of the Pi Synesthesia, and it's delicious. It is delicious. I actually just smoked one for the first time last night here, and uh, just absolutely wonderful yeah but today um, our, our official pairing is going to be the newly relabeled Chattanooga whiskey uh, 111 so this is a Tennessee high malt whiskey just absolutely beautiful it I really uh, is you can't go wrong with uh, it. you really can't I mean it's it's become a shelf staple here um, we've got a lot of people well and that's the thing we've got a, a few um, Friends of ours, you know, Scott Scott Jay for one of them. He's a huge fan of Chattanooga. Actually, he might have been the one that introduced me to it. I don't know about you. Actually, um, Chattanooga 91 was one of the – it was the first bottle I bought on my 21st birthday. Okay. Of course, at that time, I was living in Nashville, and they already had their product in the Nashville market. Nice. Um, and cannot recommend the uh, lower proof offering enough. The Chat 111 now is more my jam, but yeah. for like people that are into things like Basil Hayden or Woodford, it drinks super smooth and sweet because it is high malt. There's right. not that rye content there, so um, just fantastic. But yeah, and that might be one of the reasons Lisa likes it so much too, because she likes those higher malts or single malts a lot more than a traditional blend. So, yeah. um, and also I didn't say this before, but this so this is another. Another one of those cigars that came out this year in Sumatra. Yeah. And I was so disappointed with all the Sumatras, but there have been a couple of bangers this year. You know, this one and the Aladino Sumatra have been two that we're selling like crazy already. And um, I, I feel like Sumatra is actually, this year's Sumatra has changed my mind on a lot of the Sumatras. Yeah. Um, so I'm ready to get into this bad yeah, boy. Me too. I'm going to do the Calibri V-Cut. Um, not sponsored, but we're more than willing to take a sponsorship if you're listening. Um, we do love Calibri's products across the board. Yeah, um, absolutely. You went with the straight cut. I've straight. actually been playing straight a little bit more, you yeah. know. I'm not, not, you know, not quite, you know, spreading out the V as much as I was before. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know. I I'm just kinda I go through phases where sometimes I want V, sometimes straight, but lately it's been mostly straight. Yeah. And- so uh let's get into the cold draw on this old. There is a really nice raisin quality. A lot of times I say fig, but it's like sweeter, brighter. Reminds me more of like a golden raisin. Yeah. And it's um it's got that aroma as well of the um, the barnyard aroma, not just straight up like manure, but more of just like the entire farm. Yeah, totally. And I get a lot of that hay in the draw too, which, um, you know, on the cold draw, this one, 
I would almost say, oh, this is going to be a nice mild cigar. Yeah. Because it's got a lot of those brighter things going on, but we know it's not super mild. We do indeed know that, which is something I'm happy about. Yes. Yes. Rob and I are both using the Julius from Calibri to light. Yeah, I'm not going to get more on order. We've sold all of them out already. Well, it... I never thought I would be a soft flame guy, um, but I have really enjoyed this. And this is, so on the light, I think it's great. It takes a, quite a bit longer to light than a, uh, than a torch, but really where I think it shines is the touch-ups. Like you let your cigar go out. It's a little bit concave in the middle just because of the way it burned. This yeah, is great yeah. for touching it up. And I like it, too, because, I mean, you can occasionally get a, a, to- a regular torch. And honestly, there's nothing wrong with either one of them. They both work great. You're using the same butane. Um, but sometimes if you're not paying attention, you have a conversation, you're just torching, and all of a sudden you look down, it's like, oh, crap, that thing is <laughs> yeah. really, really torched hard. You can eliminate that by just kind of blowing out and getting rid of that char. But that's just one more step. And this one also being a little softer it doesn't take the, when you relight or when you light at the beginning, it doesn't start to burn fast. It's just like more of a slow, steady, you know, draw yeah. right away. So uh, on the palate for me right now, it is almost like an unsweetened gingerbread, um, a little bit of pepper towards the back of the palate. And then on the retro hail, it's still kind of almost gingerbready toast to me. Like it has some of the that like nutmeg, that ginger quality, really heavy in the baking spices. It's got a lot of the baking spices. I will say in the in the retro hail, just just in the science cavity, I get a lot of um, a lot of that black pepper, black and red pepper. Yeah, um, not to the point of eye watering, but enough to where it's making my sinuses a little spicy. So absolutely. So let's check out the we. I said newly relabeled. Um, the uh, Chattanooga 111. Do you remember what the what color the label used to be on it? I thought it was just black and gray. I think you're right. Yeah, um, because I know the bottled and bond is blue, um, but this is now yellowy orangey. Yeah, a great look. It's it a, does it's look a nice. Look. It it reminds because I think the when the first Cabernet finished one was I yeah. think it had that similar shape to it. Yeah, that one is the same kind of a design as the Cabernet. That's one when I first got the box, and I'm like, "Oh crap, they sent me the wrong thing." And I'm like, "Oh no, it's the same thing." It on the nose, it might be the power of suggestion for me, just based on the the label color. There's a lot of honey notes coming off of it for me. Mm. Definitely sweet honey, like definitely those cereal malts. In Not there. heavy on the fruit at all yet. Mm-mm. More floral leaning. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Dude, I forgot how good that was. <laughs> That's heavy leaning on the honey. Yeah. Yeah, oh, but it has I some of those, too. like, more stone fruit notes in it. It does. Um, not, a, not a super bright fruit, just that, you're right, that stone kind of fruit, a little more subtle. And just a little bit of spice towards the back of the palate. And it just keeps you know on building. And the mouthfeel on this is spectacular. It really is. Very viscous. Um, I'm just going to say this once and say this now. Come into the shop. Try Chattanooga Whiskey 111. Yes. And if you're not near around here and it's available on the shelf, just buy it. Mm-hmm. This is a shelfer-type bottle that is is just one of those ones that can live on your shelf. When it runs out, you can get another one. 
Yeah, and this is one. This is, is so, their main staple. I yeah. mean, other than maybe like the '91, um, but they this, probably sell more of this than anything else. I bet this drinks better than a lot of the allocated releases I've had this year. Yeah, <laughs> and and you're probably talking this bottle should be somewhere in the 45 to 50 range at the most. Yeah, it might be a little higher. In I've some seen stores. it as high as 55. Uh, so again, and I would still pay that. Again, think about 55. 55 is what Woodford Double Oak should go for. Yeah, this and, and nothing wrong with Woodford Double Oak. It's delicious. This you can't is touch. I I really can't think of that many bottles over a hundred proof at that price point right now. Honestly, right now the only one I'm thinking of is maybe the um, Old Forester 1920. Those two are yeah. in the same price range, yeah, they and are. both of them are uniquely different but perfectly delicious. So, mm. wow, that's that was kind of poetic. Yeah, uniquely different, but. Unique. Something delicious. I don't remember what I said now. <laughs> Differently different. Yeah, whatever it is. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my goodness. We also were going to get into this a little bit later, but we did get in um, Garrison Brothers. This is the um, Balmora, Balmoria. Um, but I've been reading up online about this, and this one has won a ton of awards being double oaked and I'm really excited to try it. I um, recently fell in love with Garrison Brothers down in in Texas and Florida and um, not cheap stuff, but so far the first two bottles I've had of it have been absolutely freaking delicious. Yeah. So uh, yeah. we may be getting more of those. They're going to be a little higher, higher dollar pour, especially on the but bourbon But those bottles side. are like over a hundred bucks. Oh, they're one fifty. Yeah. Most they? of them are yeah. over one fifty. Yeah. yeah. But it's worth it. It is really good. I, Previously, I had heard a lot of things that were kind of up in the air about Garrison Brothers, like just based on their price point. Yeah. But I think it was from people that didn't appreciate Texas whiskey. Right. It is distinctly Texas whiskey. There's no doubt about it. It is. But it's probably the best expression of Texas whiskey that I've had. Well, and that's the thing, you know, now that I've been getting into more and being down there in Texas and trying them, dude... Texas is making some killer whiskey. Yeah. I mean, still Austin and Balcones and Iron Root and these guys. I'm like, man, there's some great ones. And there was even a couple of um, smaller ones down there at that at Crowder Barrel that it's it's kind of like, you know, a lot of the ones that have been coming up in Indiana. They're young, but yeah. they're going to be good. And yeah. that's kind of what I was noticing on several of those as well. Well, and the thing that Texas has going for it is the climate. Yeah. Um, well, I guess it's both going for it and one of the things that uh, will stifle Texas. Well, and that's why wasn't it Balcones that created the uh, the climate control yeah. rickhouse so they yeah. can actually adjust it up and down. Th- there's they a lot. To? There's a lot that have climate controlled rickhouses, even in even in Kentucky. Really? Okay. Um, Buffalo Trace has a warehouse that's completely climate controlled that they will put their products that are um, going to age longer in. So they will pull them from the regular rick houses when they taste good, and then they will let them sit in uh, the climate controlled warehouse until they meet that age requirement for whatever special release it is. Okay. Okay. Old Forester does... uh, temperature controlled but they do rapid aging through it so they they will heat and cool like crazy um like crazy for those well and doesn't um 
Like Doesn't a lot of the makers do that. Didn't you say makers did that for like the cellar age? Makers, yes. Um, I'm not sure it was totally temperature controlled. I think it was just underground. Okay. So it would be the equivalent the of thing. like Jason Fruits having a pole barn out back, aging right. barrels in there, and then pulling them in at the six year mark. Okay. Yeah. So just to go back on this too, this is our pairing of that's going to be for the entire month of November. Yeah. Um, you are looking at, um, was that 20, $25 before tax, 25 plus some tax, 2663 with tax. Yeah. So this is like in around $17 cigar here. Yeah. seventeen thirty nine, $10 pour. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so it's definitely a good, um, a good pairing. It's not going to be, not going to break the bank. Um, well, I mean, honestly, if we were doing this one, you'd be looking at another 20 bucks on top of it just because that's a high dollar pour. Yeah. So, you know, we're trying to, we, we would love to keep a lot of our pairings in that 20 to $30 range at the most um, because we want to offer some of the best stuff. But occasionally we will offer a, a budget pour and a budget pairing. Yeah. Um, I would tell you right now, doing either the Glitch or the McAuliffe Black with a pour of JTS Brown. Be fantastic. I mean, you're talking... What twelve bucks? Yeah, thirteen bucks, something yeah. like that. No, that, yeah, that McAuliffe about, Black. About thirteen bucks shocks me. Oh, dude. how good it is for the price, it's, and, and it's just good. It is just good. Well, and that's the thing; it's an eight dollar cigar. Like, but I, I say, good for the price, and it's like it's just good. It's just good. If that were a twelve dollar cigar, it would still be a great cigar. It is, but it's eight dollars, and right. that means you can smoke it every day. Yeah. Um. So. Going sip to smoke, it just sweetened that, like, what I'm perceiving to be gingerbread in, in the smoke. And then going back and nosing the Chattanooga 111, all I get is, like, some really strong clover honey. It's like yeah. it's like you <laughs> you just opened a jar, like, fresh from, you know, whatever local beekeeper you, you got. Going from, going from smoke back to the sip, um, I'm getting a heavy, heavy honey. But almost like dusting the top of the honey with a little bit of cayenne pepper just to give a little spice. And I, yeah. lo I love doing that. It's hot honey. It's a hot honey. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really tasty. Oh, and really I'm not cool. getting as much of the pepper on the retrohale now on the cigar. No, I'm not either. we're slightly into it. Yeah. So we kind of talked about it a little bit. Um, just mentioned the, the state of allocations. And that's been something that we've talked about quite a bit. Yeah. But I found this article this week. It came out from uh, thebourbonculture.com. Okay. And this is basically, it, it's more of an opinion piece than anything. But I think, um, oh man, I didn't even check to see who the author was. But the guy who wrote it, he has some really good, research and uh really has done his homework here and this is addressing uh a, a midwinter night's dram act 11 so uh okay so let me before you get into that the one that you and i tried against our starlight was the 10 nine nine okay nine yeah and if you remember that we picked our starlight pick over that and everyone went nuts Everyone's yeah. like, you can't be right. No, that's not true. I'm like, yeah, it really was. Yeah. So I'm anxious to hear about this one. So uh, th 
The article from Bourbon Culture is called Why You Shouldn't Pay Secondary Price for High West Midwinter Nights Dram Act 11. So uh, it starts off with some history of a Midwinter Nights Dram. Really where it got its notoriety and fame was when they had this like 15 to 17 year old uh, Barton Rye. Okay. So that's what they had sourced and that's what they are originally... um, Putting in those barrels. Now, this article assumes that they are somewhere in that four to seven year mark now with High West Distillate. The other thing that he talks about is them making it a lot sweeter than years past. So he he insinuates that they are pouring more or having a lot wetter barrels than they once did, which which honestly valid. Yeah. Like I could I could see how he makes that. Um, assumption, but what I wanted to really focus on is the number of bottles produced. Um, because that, that's the huge thing that I found in this article that was just like, oh my gosh. This article goes into detail about other bottles and how many bottles are made of different products. Yeah. Okay. Good representation, right? Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, in 2022, there were 50. 115,000 bottles of Midwinter Nights Dram produced. Last year's product, okay. Uh, Last year. They had a 64% increase this year in production, Okay, and they have produced 189,000. Damn, okay. Okay, so putting that into perspective. What you're telling me is we should all see them at all the Myers and everywhere now, right? <laughs> yes. I may not be off of that. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know. I legitimately, right. the elite beverages, the little tiny one in McCordsville, had a case in there already. Yeah. Okay. okay. So putting this 189,000 bottles in perspective, there are 14,000 bottles, only 14,000 produced of. The uh, 2023 Old Forester birthday bourbon. That's allocated. Yeah. There are 84,000 bottles produced of all six labels of the Van Winkle products. How many? 84,000. Of each. Okay. No, no, no. That's everything together. All 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 of them. So you're talking 23. You're talking 15. You're talking lot B. Yeah. Okay. 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 That's in that. That explains a little bit more about why it's so hard to get. Okay. With yeah. that many of that many different bottles, you're talking maybe 6,000 of one of those. But maybe. putting this into perspective, Penelope Bourbon in 2022 produced a total across their entire line, like their bottle count was around 600,000. 600, okay. So you're talking High West produced Midwinter Nights Dram this year to the point where it is it basically could be a third of Penelope's category but okay let me let me throw this on the other side of it okay Penelope's only released in like eight states now right 10 states maybe so that could be part I mean you're a lot more product obviously yeah but instead of going nationwide and actually beyond what, That's just the devil's advocate in me trying no, to No, I understand this. A balance of this. Like uh, George T. Stagg in 2018, which 
this that was the last year Buffalo Trace provided numbers for how many bottles. There were forty five thousand. Hmm. So I mean, you're talking, wow. and, and that's that's high for like a allocated release. Yeah, is it, forty five thousand. So what this article tries to make the case for is that Midwinter Nights Dram is no longer allocated just based off of how many bottles they produced. Oh, it also says that Midwinter Nights Dram went up 50 bucks this year. Damn. Yeah. So you're talking anywhere from that like 160 to 175 range for these bottles that are no longer no longer relatively considered allocated and they very well could be everywhere yeah and actually <coughs> they are excuse me basically what they are claiming here is that there's no longer any reason to buy secondary for these yeah especially yeah. immediately because at the distillery they did not enforce any limits, so people were able to buy cases upon cases upon cases at the High West Distillery. Yeah. And people will be flipping them like crazy until people realize that oh, everybody has I them. I can have them, yeah. It, it's kind of like Starlight Cigar Batch. It started allocated just based on demand and not being able to keep up with it. Yeah. And then they ramped up production, and now it sits on shelves. Yeah, it's sitting in mire and not being touched. That's what's happening with High West, a midwinter night's dram. Wow. Okay. See, that's my, my issue with after you and I tried nine on the show, that would be my issue with just going out and buying that bottle because... I would not spend 170 bucks on the nine, or even 120 bucks on that nine. I wouldn't either. And um, I did. So this one, I, asked I, me, I, I did. did buy it for MSRP, and I would just say that, and I wish I didn't. Yeah, but you know, again, if I that was an everyday it. shelf item around the 70 dollar mark, I would say, yeah, there's a time and place for that. And for a perfect example, that Garrison Brothers I got, which was a store pick, a distiller's reserve pick, um, that was 170 bucks, And I am not disciplined at all in that bottle. So I don't have a problem spending money on a bottle that's delicious. Yeah. But, again, after having that experience with that one, I'd be afraid to actually buy that unless I already had a pour of it. That might be a good bottle to go in with a couple of buddies and split it and just drink it together. But well, and it's kind of the story of Willet, where Willet originally was sourcing this super high quality, high aged Heaven Hill product, and that's where the purple la- purple labels got famous, right? And uh, they were charging ten bucks a year. You'd get sixteen year old Heaven Hill single barrel. In a Willet bottle with a purple top on it, and uh, you'd be paying 160, 170 bucks for it. Right. Now they're putting out Willet's own product, uh, like an eight, eight year, year purple top. Yeah. And I saw one at Big Red for or $279. Yeah. But it's, it's nowhere be- near as good. It's because of that purple top. Well, I shouldn't say that. To me, I don't, I mean, I know people love purple tops. I'm not crapping on purple tops. They're, they're fine. But that one that we had, the weeder, I mean, again, yeah. it was good. I don't like spending that much money on it. And it's just not 
it's not what they made the name on. Right. You know, it, it's it's it feels like a bait and switch, like with Midwinter Night's Drams. Like the first, I think it was up until Act Seven that they were still using that high-aged Barton Rye in there. Yeah. And you were talking 15 to 17-year-old Barton Rye. I think it was an Act 7. They blended that Barton Rye with their own product, and people were like, ooh, maybe it's going downhill. And now here we are at Act 11, and you're having four to seven-year-old High West Rye in there, mm. and it's just not the same thing. Wow. And it's more expensive than it once was, and there's more made than it than ever. Yeah. And it's just... Well, and that's like, you know, I was talking with Scott DeShong. Um, oh, that's why Rendezvous Rye used to be really good was because of that high-age Barton Rye. That makes sense. And he, his wife was actually at, um, at a mire, I think it was, or somewhere, and she, she took a picture of, of the shelf to show him what was on there, and it looked like the, uh, um, the Rendezvous Rye with the old label was on the shelf. And he's like, buy it. That, that was delicious because he had bought one he wanted to share with me. Because um, he loved the Rendezvous Rye, and he tried. He's like, man, that was so disappointing how it changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, back to that whole Willet, you know, still putting Willet on the bottle and stuff. That was one of the things I really thought was I appreciated a lot about New Riff. You know, they they come out and they're using all their source product, and it was OKI. And yeah. then when they had their own distillate, it became New Riff, and like it was very transparent. This is what we're doing now. This is what we did before. Well, and that's and something like, I have to commend West Fork for. West Fork's doing the same thing, exactly. Where they have, they basically have two operating distillery names or, or brand lines coming out of the same distillery. Yeah. yeah all yeah. of the MGP and all of the source things are under the uh, Old Hammer and Hugh Hammer. Yeah. Yep. Old, old Hammer, Hugh Hammer. And then, uh, and then all of their stuff is just West Fork. Yeah. You know what? There's nothing deceptive about that. No. And yeah, it's it's just puzzling to me. But I think there's going to be a lot of distilleries that are in this kind of limbo. Um, I think of like the Lex Road Distillery. Mm-hmm. Forever they were pushing, um, oh, Heaven Hill products. Yeah. Like, People loved a lot of the cash strength Yellowstone stuff like that because it's Heaven Hill. You're yeah. talking like six year Heaven Hill. Well, and I feel like um, West Fork is kind of in the same boat with New Riff. And I know there's a lot of really big New Riff fans. I know the Bothers love New Riff <coughs> a lot as well. But I feel like West Fork's on the early end of that too, where, you know, the Hugh Hammer and Old Hammer kind of had a following and they had some really good bourbon. Yeah. And their new stuff's not quite there. It's young. I kind of felt like New Riff on their their first offerings were a little young and not quite ready. And the OKIs had had such a following on them because they were delicious. So it may be the same boat. West Fork may, hopefully they'll continue to age and get, you know, their stuff gets better like New Riff. New Riff has got some great stuff now. And uh, you'll know the OKI name now um, because it is a product that's no longer, like the brand is no longer owned by... Uh, by New Riff. New Riff. They're yeah. owned by another company, and that other company is doing great things with them. It they is are. not the bottles of old. It's not the 17-year MGP bourbon in a bottle. It, right. It's not that. But they're doing wonderful blending and things like that. Yeah. But it's it's just kind of... 
it's one of those things is how quick can you grow and how much do you want to feed into the hype machine? You know what? Starlight could do it with their cigar batch. Starlight could do it with their honeys because that product got got big on a four-year-old bourbon sat in an Amberana barrel. And you know what? Those Amberana barrels, they can get like, I think they're up to like, maybe 10 runs on one barrel. Like, it, they can do it again. And they yeah. bought so many Amberana barrels that they can continue to do that. That product became popular when it was young. Yeah. Like, you were talking four-year product in that barrel, and uh, you don't even have to age it, but, like, for three months in there. It is extreme. Like, they can do it over and over and over again. Yeah, Winter some of those pungent woods, man, have a lot of um, a lot more life in them than just a standard oak barrel because you know the wood is very, very porous and has a lot more flavor or just aroma in it, or whatever you want to call it. Um, that one, you know, some of the ones I've seen um, that have had that longer use are a little bit more tamed down on all the sharp yeah. notes, and honestly, they're they're probably going to get better the longer they wait. Yeah. You know, 15, 20 times in the barrel, you never know. You might finally have something I like. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, we're going we're gonna to beat a dead horse well, here. But I had a question it, for you, too, because yeah. I saw a post someone someone had posted out um, in the Whiskey Tribe channel. Um, shout out to those boys. Shout out. Um, they, they, they posted a bottle. It was just a green label of the, the William Heaven Hill 17. So it's a 17-year-old Heaven Hill front yeah. that has the old, I think, is it William? Yeah, William Heaven Hill. Yeah. Um, their, their original owner of the distillery before they bought it. And um, I really want to find a bottle of that. So those are distillery-only releases. Can you get it at Heaven Hill anytime, or is it just like no, randomly? it's like you random get there? drop days, and you okay. got to pray to the gods of whiskey that you're... Because I have never seen that bottle. You know what? On the shelf I actually anywhere. do think that some go out to retailers. Um, oh, but your <clears> best <throat> your best chance is like knowing around the right season where it comes out and just going to the Heaven Hill Distillery okay. every day to see what they're. Have you ever had any of those? No. Okay. Uh. Uh-uh. Those are harder to get than the Heritage Collection. Okay. Those are harder to get than the uh, than the Parker's stuff. Like. So that's kind of like, not just the Heritage. It's more like a family reserve kind of thing for them. Yeah, I mean that's like that makes sense. I mean, it's more widely available than Double Eagle, very rare. But it is kind of in that same same world. That same world of like, this may have been one barrel that got put into bottles, right? You know. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm it, it is, for that one. It is hard to get. So uh, this week, I was scrolling through Reddit, as you do, and I found um, on some of the cigar pages of Reddit just some questions and. Some of them, I'm like, well, duh, that's what you do. But there are things that I don't think we've ever talked about. Okay. So um, I'm going to read this, and uh, we're going to try and give some some good advice to this Redditor. Let's do it. Um, so are you going to actually comment back on it so he, he actually gets the good advice? or No. Okay. okay. I have no plan to do that. I got you. Yeah. The, these are send a recording of the podcast to me. I mean, these are <laughs> these are questions that I don't think I ever would have thought of. 
uh, of just things to answer for people that are newer into smoking cigars. Interesting. So this one, we'll start off. Um, this is on r slash humidors, which um, <laughs> the other one I think is from that same place. Um, but the, uh, the subject is, where should I put the Bovita pack? So he says, yeah. I have a small humidor for up to 30 cigars. That has honestly, a, that's a legit question. Yeah, that has a glass lid. I have only found Bovita holders that are for attaching on the inside of the lid. Is there any other way? Can I put the Bovita holder on the bottom and the cigars on top of the holder? Yes. Yeah. You can stack cigars right on top of the Bovita. I mean, one thing I'd recommend, I mean, a lot of people will put you know, they're, they're both those on the bottom and just stack on top of one thing I would recommend if you're doing that. And honestly, it might not matter if you're smoking them quick, but if you're aging them for a while, just rotate your cigars every once in a while. So the ones that are actually touching the Boveda pack go to the top and on down, but they shouldn't actually over humidify it that much to worry yeah. about, but no, they're actually designed to be able to stack right on top of the Boveda's. And if you're nervous about that, throw the Boveda's on top. Well, and uh, when I'm traveling and I still have not unpacked my Tupper door from my trip, I literally have cigars in there and just one of the, one of the normal sized, I don't, I don't know what those The are. little bitty ones, the eight no, grams? No, no, the, the bigger ones. The 60 grams. The 60 gram, yeah. uh, 69 in there. Yeah. And there's no issue with those cigars. And again, and we've said this before, but since we're talking about it here, you don't you don't have to replace them until they start getting until they're hard, you know. Even when they have just a little bit of softness, they're still working. Um, but you know, once they start getting hard, just throw another one in there, and you don't have to actually think about it too much. Yeah. Okay. So no, actually, that's a good question. Um, it's just not something that I think we've ever. I've had people ask me that before, yeah. and I've just just said it but i don't think we've ever said it on a broad yeah. st- scant scope before so that's good so another one from r slash humidors we have a humidity question so uh he says my problem is kind of the opposite to the one most people have i have a very nice drew estate 150 capacity humidor he goes on to tell the story about how he won it the, and those are some really beautiful humidors. Yeah, he said, it seals very tightly. I have a Bluetooth temp and humidity sensor in it, uh, so I keep it closed. Is This is my long-term storage humidor. I have other humidors for sticks that I'll be getting out on a regular basis. Now then, the problem that I have is my humidity in the 150 unit um, stays around 80% with Ouch. my Zycar gel humidifiers in it. And combined, they are only rated for 100 sticks. My smaller humidors stay at around 85 to 90% with a small humidifier in them. Ouch. My question is, is it okay to not use a humidifier in a humidor as counterproductive as that sounds? He says, here's the thing. The humidity stays about an average of 40 to 50% during the day and... 75 to 85% at night here. Every day and night, unless it's raining. Okay. So, I've only been smoking cigars for about five years. And everything I I read talks about having a humidifier in the humidor to maintain the right humidity. Do I need it? Two options. Okay. One, stop using beads. 
unless you're in an area where you're where you're staying, like in the winter in Indiana, we're dry. If you, I, I would also say for like places like uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Arizona, or you know, in you're a, in a desert, Canada, climate. Yeah. whatever you know, places that are drier, you beads are fine because they're going to be putting juice back into your humidor constantly. Um, if you have a, a change like that in humidity, the daytime is not going to give it enough time to actually equal out to the nighttime. Yeah. So um, use Bovida or get you an electronic humidifier that will only put humidity in when it needs it. Yeah. So if it's in at 80%, it's never going to put humidity in the, in the air of that humidor until it needs to. So what will happen is it will slowly, gradually get back down to wherever you like it, somewhere between 60 and 70%, wherever you like that. Um, depending on your temperature, honestly, you could be in the low 60s if you're warm days every day. Yeah. Um, but you know, get your t- and, but once it gets down to that point, you set it to say 65, it will not kick on until it hits 65. So it's naturally drying them out to the proper, and you're not actually doing it fast. Yeah. Um, those are my two options. And if you're in that area, I would almost recommend doing a 62 or 65 at the most Bovida pack. Yeah. Um, no, no reason to go up to a 69 or 72 in that climate. So, um, cause I'm, I'm thinking that boy's got to have a hard time keeping the cigars lit. He really does. 80%, 80 to 90%, even in your short term storage humidor is too, it's, it's too just wet. too much. Too wet. Uh, your cigars are spongy at that point. I mean, think about it. So if you're going, if you go outside, you're sitting outside and it's 80% humidity period. And you're sitting out in it. You're sweating. Yeah. It's just too much moisture. In if the you're air. reading a book out there, all your pages are sticking yeah, together. Yeah. It's the exact same thing with tobacco. It's going to, it's not going to want to stay lit. You're going to be constantly relighting it. Um, and honestly, you know, I know most cigars now, you don't have to worry about beetles because of the process they go through, but some don't do that process. Yeah. That's where your beetles are going to start coming active and start eating away your cigars, especially in your long term storage that, is you know, if you're doing long term and it's at eighty percent, yeah, there's a good chance that maybe one of your cigars and there's probably got a beetle that's active. Yes, keep your cellophane on if you're doing that too, because you know beetles can't eat through the cellophane. Uh, seriously, um, so what what Rob just said there? Don't use cigar beads. Um, I think you can use them, but it has to be a drier climate where you have to continue to have humidity put back in. Yes, but it's not going to pull it out as easily. I don't think they pull out at all. Unless they're dry. Unless they're like the beads are already dry. They might pull a little bit, but they're not designed to be going back and forth. Well, like and, a, and a lot of those are systems where you're dumping in uh, propylene glycol into them instead of distilled water. Which is and, what's doing it, yeah. And uh, it doesn't soak in that easily. No. So uh, I would quit doing that. And if my humidors were at 80%, first of all, what I would do is... I and I do this. I have hygrometers in my house in different rooms because I I have a lot of wood. I have a lot of music equipment that needs stable humidity if I'm going to take care of it a long time. But I would check one of those hygrometers and uh, see what my house is running at. I well, know right now today my house is at fifty two percent. If my humidor was running at eighty percent, you know what I'm doing? I am out. opening it. Or take it out, period. Yeah, I'm I'm just going to open and let it go. Open it up and let things now, settle down. One thing I will say is opening it in a drier climate 
you don't want to have quick transitions. But I think if your cigars drop, are in cellophane, that helps. You'd be able to do it. It does help. Um, but like just like temperature, you know, temperature is not a huge deal until you have quick changes. Yeah. If you're sitting at 75 degrees and all of a sudden you drop it down to 50, that's a that's a shock. That's a shock to the system. Mm-hmm. You need to let them sit for a while. But yeah, I mean it. If your house is getting up to 75% humidity at night and then dropping back during the day, I honestly don't think that I would be storing in your typical humidors. I, I think you'd be chasing humidity way too much, and you would need some sort of dehumidification system. You yeah. know what? This may be the only time that I recommend one of like the winter uh, humidors that are active cooling and has the airflow. Yeah, yeah, so they make a lot of humidors now that, and none of them will tell you this, but they will. The ones that have a drain plug in them mm-hmm. are active cooling. It is literally doing the same thing as your AC unit or um, or just a refrigerator. Yeah, as as it cools the air, it pulls out humidity so that that may be the only time that i could see using something like that i mean up until this point i've given everybody who's been like hey what do you think about this one that's a hard no because you're going to be fighting with that but in a climate where your humidity where you'd have to fight with it that may be the only way to regulate it it. could be in a long-term uh humidor solution the other thing about those um like the winters and new airs and all those those were never designed for cigars. Those were Those wine, are wine coolers, coolers that they converted. And they are, there are some of the companies out there that are actually designing them to be more for um, cigars, Yeah, which I'm glad to finally see that. But, mm-hmm. again, a lot of times, I mean, I, I don't want active fan pulling air in from the outside yeah. constantly because it's going to work harder. Yeah. Um, but again, like you said, with that kind of an environment, you might need that airflow to kind of balance it out. Like I know Rob and I both have a new air at our houses and those do not have a compressor unit in it. They have basically the equivalent of a computer fan that keeps the air circulating inside of there. Yeah. You know what? That's okay. Sometimes. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But really, um, I think that would be good in a long-term humidor solution. Like you are looking to do aging and you don't want to touch it. Like you crack it every couple months to check on your humidity, whatever. Well, and that was another thing I was thinking when you were talking about that. If your humidors are reading 80% or whatever, the first step I would do is check your hygrometers. Yeah. And make sure that they're accurate. And there, you can go online and look up the test, but it's literally... A simple test. You get a Ziploc bag. You get a pop bottle cap filled about halfway up with salt and then just wet the salt to where it's wet. Not not soppy, but wet. Bag it up, and by the next morning, it should read 75%. Mm. If it doesn't read 75%, say it, say it reads 76%. Well, you know you're 1% off on your hygrometer. If you have a hygrometer you can you can calibrate, great. If you don't, you just know this is always reading one yeah. percent high. Well, and, and if you didn't have one that you could calibrate, I'd hope that it's one of like it's white or something like that. And I would just make a sharpie mark on it and wouldn't worry about it then. Uh, I know Bovida also sells 
um, kits to calibrate hygrometers. They do. They um, do. But it's it, super simple with stuff you have at the house. It, I mean, it really is. It really um, works fine. But but it, it is one of those. I mean, being in the 80% range. You'd be I mean, dealing with mold. You would have. Yeah, in, in in a climate that sounds like that, like it sounds like a more, it sounds like Florida. I don't know where he's at. I would guess Florida, maybe California, some place like that where it's a little bit, I'm, I'm gonna say tropical, but you know, yeah. Florida's not tropical, but it is closer to that environment, like to the Caribbean and Cuba and stuff like that. And you know what? Maybe you don't need a humidity solution at all. Like, just keep them in their boxes and check yeah. it before you smoke. I know that in the a lot of the countries where they make cigars and they smoke them, they do not have humidors. They don't really in Miami. No. I mean, I'm going down to Aladino, his office. He's got all of his cigar boxes sitting on his desk. And you grab a cigar and smoke it, and it smokes fine. Yeah. They don't so, even need humidors down there, but we do up here in the north. Uh, we do because or we have if you're cold in winters. Arizona or something like that, yeah. you do. Um, like, and I will say uh, on the other side of that, too, if you're in New Orleans or Houston where it's crazy humid during the winter or summer and just normal humidity during the winter, yeah, you, need, you might need some dehumidification. Yeah. So it just depends on where you are, too. It'd be interesting to find out. How he, I mean, where he is to, to be getting a, a swing from forty to seventy five percent in every day. That's, I mean, uh, genuinely that makes me think of uh, the climate down in Florida, where you just get one fifteen minute storm and the humidity just skyrockets. It, it could be you know? something like that. Um, we is had it, that same thing when we were in St. Lucia a couple weeks ago, where it would be like it would probably be mid sixties every day, and then it would rain for like five minutes and it was so hot that it would just go to near a hundred percent humidity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That, those were actually good questions. Um, and again, if you guys ever have any questions about any of this stuff and you want to want us to talk about, it, I will say one thing, are you doing a good job of reading comments? If anyone's commenting on stuff? Yeah. Okay, good. Cause yeah. I, I'm not doing a great job of that. So yeah, if you do have any questions on anything, anything period, cigars or whiskey or whatever, you know, let us know because yeah. if we don't know, we'll look it up and figure it out and let you know. Comment on Instagram or could they email you? Oh, yeah. They can email yeah, us. So yeah, yeah. Rob at finalthirdcigar.com. Yeah. Um, in, in an email in the subject line, just say something like for the podcast. But if you have questions like that, literally don't feel like it's too stupid. We just no. answered a question about where to put a Bovida pack. Yeah, yeah. Um, if and but again, it's if just you like, have the question, I am sure somebody else has the question or has had that question in the past. So well, that's why, you know, a lot of people, when they go into a, a cigar shop for the first time, and if you don't know how to cut or light a cigar, you know, those of us that have been smoking forever, it, it seems kind of silly. Well, it's like but if you do it wrong, to some extent. if you do it wrong, it's going to it's going to change your experience. And it's like with everything. If you do, once you learn, once the guy now learns, you can put a bow to pack anywhere. He's never going to have to ask that question again. No. It's like, once you learn it, you're good. But don't ever feel like you shouldn't ask. And if you're going to a shop or a lounge that makes you feel stupid, stop going to that shop or lounge. Serious. Because, I mean, that's just, that's what this is all about is, you know, educating people so that they can enjoy the same things that we enjoy. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, literally there is no question, nothing that's too dumb. I saw a no. post this week that some guy was like, I finally found a non-infused cigar that I liked, and he is, his picture was of an acid Cuba Cuba. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, you know what? 
I'm glad you like that. Yeah. There was a lot of people that told him in a very mean way that that is definitely infused. Yeah. But you know what? That's his cigar journey. And if that's what he likes, do it. Should, you, should you have access to better information? Yeah. Like, I, I'm kind of glad people corrected him. They could have been a lot nicer about oh, it, yeah. though. Well, and I, I feel like, you know, in, in this world right now, especially with, the, with younger people getting into cigars, very few, even probably in the last 20 years, very few people started their journey with a non-flavored cigar. I did. My first one was the Acid Blondie. Yeah. I, mean, I smoked it in a hot tub. And you Great go, cigar experience. Well, there's a reason why those are all at liquor stores and gas stations. because That's where I bought it. It's yeah. a liquor store. And it's like, you know, you can get you a, a cigar, smoke it, and try it. And you're like, oh, I kind of like this. And then the journey begins. But, you know, there's nothing at all wrong with any of those cigars. And if someone's telling you there's something wrong with them, it's really them. It's not you. So, Yeah. I mean, they are just perpetuating what's bad in this industry. Um, the best cigar, like the Whiskey Tribe would say with whiskey, is the cigar you like to smoke the way you like to smoke it. Exactly. You know what? If you want to do a crown cut on top, which I've seen on a lot of the Facebook pages where you just double cut with a V, yeah, do it. If yeah. you want to do a straight cut, do that. If you want to do a punch cut, do it. If yeah. you want to slice it off with your thumbnail... Do it. That's what they do in most cigar shop factories. Smoke your cigar the way you like to. If you want to canoe it all the way down the side, do that. Just enjoy yourself. This is a <laughs> relaxing. This is a relaxing thing. What and if that's for. what's relaxing for you, do it. Yep, that's exactly what it's designed for. If you're sitting down relaxing and enjoying a cigar or a cigar and a bourbon or just a bourbon, that's what it's about. It's supposed to be an enjoyment to either do by yourself to relax or. Share that time with your buddies. Yeah. So I'm into the second third of the of the Synesthesia Red, and the spice has found its way back for me, especially on the retro hill. It's leaned into some red pepper. Um, yep. On the palate, it's not quite peppery spicy. I think of it more of like a hot cinnamon, okay. like a red hot sort of thing. I'm just getting close to the second third now, and um, there – that this is this is one of those cigars that you if you really are paying attention to it while you're smoking it, you're gonna have several transitions. Yeah. You like after the first maybe half inch, it got nice and mellow. And then you're like, oh, this is gonna be a mellow cigar. And then it's like slowly ramps back up and it's just it takes you on a little bit of a journey, which is nice in a cigar. Yeah, and going from uh, smoke to sip, this uh, <laughs> this chat one eleven really reminds me of like a a spiced mead like it the baking spices carry over from the cigar and it's just that Stole rich honey. honey and it's thick on the palate it is i forgot how nice and oily uh this whiskey was yeah yeah it's, no i i'm i'm 100 with you i'm loving i still it. get that almost like a cayenne pepper powder on yeah, top of honey totally that's nice yeah, I'm uh, I'm enjoying this. I'm actually down to the last drop, so I might dive into the Garrison Brothers. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and crack a bad boy open. I can tell you um, this cigar uh, is great on its own. It, the sweetness, it doesn't naturally have a sweetness in there uh, on the cigar, so a sweeter whiskey or a sweet-leaning whiskey like 
the chat 111 goes really well with it. Um, this is crazy. On this Garrison Brothers, it is a more expensive bottle, but instead of a regular tag to pull the wax off, they put a strip of leather under there. Oh, nice. Which, which made it a whole hell of a lot easier to pull off. It did. It, like it legitimately you're not gonna rip did. the you're not gonna rip the leather in half. Yeah, I I shouldn't be impressed by it. It's an expensive bottle, but like, first of all, that's Texas. If that ain't Texas, oh. I don't know what it is. Hell yeah, hell yeah. And these come with a nice little um, yeah, they necklace and tag. everything, yeah. man. Um, synthetic cork on this one, which actually I've grown to prefer in my uh, whiskey journey. As I started, as I when I saw a synthetic cork. I uh, always thought, oh, that sucks. Well, you yeah. know, real cork, something about it. Um, synthetic cork holds up a lot better long term and also has zero chance of tainting your whiskey if it sits there for too long. And typically, if it's the proper size cork, it's going to seal off a whole lot nicer. I've had a lot of problems with uh, real corks. Well, you've also found a lot of like 50, 60, 70 year old stuff that you're. Yeah, but I'm talking even on that like, long. <laughs> I'm talking even on modern whiskeys where the cork is just, it's like almost undersized enough to seal it off while there's a while there's a seal on it, but not enough for like long term storage. It's like the bottle gets down just a little bit too much, and the cork dries out just a bit, and it's just loose. Yeah, I've noticed. There was a run of hard truth bottles that came out last year where the the cork just got loose too quickly. I think they fixed it, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. Tell me about this whiskey. So run. yeah, so this one is a. Um, I'll I'll just read it. This um, it's a Texas straight bourbon whiskey, um, bold and majestically crafted, having been aged not once but twice in two completely different oak barrels. Um, so this one, the, their recommendation is, this is a result is a perfectly balanced, rich bourbon flowing with crimson candy flavor. Um, I don't know what so the Balmoria, I'm not sure either, but it, so this 20, this one, the 2022 San Francisco world spirits, double gold. Um, and that's a, that's a big competition. Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, so it's, um, 115 proof and you can see it. It's dark. It's got a really nice darkness. It doesn't say the age, so I'm assuming it's probably just four years. Um, oh, but so it's uh, the, so the corn varietal is food grade number one white corn um, from farms in South Texas. So it's so, the Texas uh, corn, not feed corn. Nope, nope. Um, crimson candy. It's that. It's that uh, ribbon candy. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. That that nice little uh, fall candy. Yeah. Um, so on the nose, it's very. Maple syrupy to me. Yeah, um, maple. There's, there's also a corn presence. It, it was. It's like you made a uh, a maple syrup butter and put it on a cornbread muffin. You ever have those uh, root beer barrels as a kid? Yeah, yeah. I might see of a root beer barrel. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh, it is super dark too. Oh my god! Cannot believe that's one fifteen. So okay, I will tell you it's it's oaky. It is root beer oak. But the, where where the C nine twenty three was the, over the back of the palate is like sarsaparilla. hundred yeah. percent. That's exactly where I was heading with it. This the oak actually plays nice in it. It's 
the flavors are still good. It's not it's not the tannic oak. It's yeah. the flavor of oak, which we dig. And this stuff is still dripping off the the glass and heavy and viscous, even more viscous than that Chat 111 was. Okay. So on the back of the palate, as this finishes, it hits like a sarsaparilla, a super root beery note. Yep. And then as it hangs and you start breathing on it, it's fennel or black licorice. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely feels like it wants to be in the absinthe world. And not you guys that don't like black licorice will still be able to enjoy this. That is a particular flavor note that I just had to pull out of this. It's it's really good. Super viscous on the palate. That is delicious. I can't believe I'm just now starting to get into Garrison Brothers stuff. Yeah, it's like black pepper oaky, ton of root beer. And then it just finishes oh. with that sarsaparilla. And with the cigar, thing. it pops all the baking spice notes out of that cigar. It tones down on any of the sweetness we were getting, but all the baking spice notes and still that little bit of black and red in the nose. Yeah, it, it kind of dried out like this, the sweetness of the cigar. Yeah, it did. Um, just because this is so inherently sweet. Yeah, you, let you, my you need to get out. in here and try this. This one is special. I also think it's a good introduction into Texas whiskey if you've never had any. Like, this is... I don't know about introduction because the price point. That's the only problem. Uh, at a bar. At a bar, at a bar for bar, sure. You just, you'll be able to taste this and you'll... If you've had enough, like, Tennessee, Kentucky, a whiskey, you'll be able to say, Oh, I, I kind of understand what he when, what they're saying when they're saying this is distinctly Dude, Texas. I'll tell you what would be a fun little journey would be coming here sometime, and if you're looking for hanging out for a while and you're going to have two or three pours, and you don't mind starting with a low proof, going to a higher proof, start with the, the Yellow Rose yeah, and get you a nice, and that's a, that's a, a Kentucky whiskey, more fruit-forward, flavorful, sweeter, and only 80 proof. Jump to the Balcones. Yeah. And then jump to this Garrison Brothers. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see a journey of Texas, what they're doing down there. And that really gives you a wide you, range you of what's going on. You just said Yellow Rose was Kentucky. It's Texas. Texas. Yeah. Texas. I'm okay. sorry. I, I meant Texas. Yeah. yeah. All three of those are from Texas. So it'll give you a good opportunity to see what's going on in Texas across the board. And eventually I'll probably get still lost. And I don't think they're, are they even selling here yet? I think they are. I, I as far as I remember, I've seen them at Total Wine, which still Austin is one of the best distilleries in Texas. Oh, it's a and it's a small little distillery. Um, Alan and I went there. Shout out to Alan. Shout out. He stopped by and saw us last night too. Heck yeah. Um, and he actually brought Lisa a barrel or a, a big red pick of the True True Blue from Balcones because that's one of her favorites. What a homie! And I, I oh, love dude, Alan he is. Hill. He's amazing. Um, but he's actually honestly the one that really got me into Texas whiskeys just because he's brought Lisa and I both a bunch of samples of different Texas whiskeys. Um, I don't know if the dude travels down there a lot, but I know he's down there a lot. He travels (laughs) a lot. I'm not sure what all he travels down there for, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I will say one thing. It's, it's different than Kentucky bourbon. Yeah. It's different than, um, Tennessee whiskey. 
Yeah. It's just, it's its own animal and it should be. It should be its own animal and it is. And they're well, doing a great job. It's just like the Colorado bourbons are oh, different than Kentucky. Yeah. I think Indiana and Kentucky have similar enough cli- uh, climates and um, agriculture. Yeah. That we can get pretty close. Like, yeah. there's a lot of similarities between Indiana in Kentucky. You get We're just a lot younger in the game than Kentucky is. In well, Indiana. I mean, not when you consider places like MGP. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah. But I'm talk- talking about all the, the craft distillery. Scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You go down to uh, Texas, it's a completely different climate. Their agriculture is different. Uh, and they're somewhat new. They are new to this, to this scene. game. Um, I'm sure they've been making whiskey for a long time, but to really get the accolades they've been getting, they're they're probably new to the last maybe ten years of really making great product. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's amazing. I, I would love one day. I would like to have a bottle from every state and just be able to say, let let's do a very small pour of every single one, and let yeah. let's just walk. You well, and just like Michigan, Michigan has some really great distilleries. I mean, you've got Traverse City uh, Whiskey Company. Their barrel proof stuff is, is delicious. Some of their barrel picks are fantastic. Yeah. Um, you got Journeyman that's on the way, and they're starting to starting to build their portfolio and making some great stuff. Um, you got some small ones like Mammoth that's starting to make some good product up there. So I, I'm with you. I, I think that would be a blast to have something from every state to kind of kind of figure out. What's yeah. the different reason? I mean, just like you go up to um, the Northeast and, you know, they they have some of that um, corn strains and wheat strains that are yeah. kind of different than what we have here. Totally. So it's going to give you a different profile. It, it, I wish we had a big enough platform. I, I've seen a, uh, a lot of people on, on the food YouTube space saying, like, They'll do these videos that are like, I made food, the famous food from every, like all 50 states. Like, but they're going out of their way to pull people to say, which food represents your state? Yeah. Like, it would be amazing if we could say, which whiskey represents your state the best and just have people vote on so, the okay. distillery. So, there's know? a good conversation. What whiskey in Indiana represents Indiana whiskey? MGP. Right I I would legitimately yeah. have to say MGP. And it and it's the ninety five five rye. Or the thirty six percent bourbon, like the high rye bourbon, yeah. is one of the most famous things to come out of Indiana. You're right of and all time. And honestly, the reason why and our like as our, much as I would love to stay Starlight or uh, Spirits of French Lick or Old Fifty Five, like as far as famous. In this state and out of this state, it is the MGP high ride bourbon. Okay, that makes sense. And um, and if you if you know anything about Indiana, our governor, I think in the last maybe two or three years, has rye is our state whiskey. Yeah, and it's because of MGP. Yeah, it's a hundred percent because of MGP. Because you know, if you and honestly, if you're a bourbon guy, you know MGP. Yeah, almost every small distillery around the nation either buys MGP. Barton, yeah, those are the two biggest. Dickel and Dickel, yeah, that's probably where they're getting some of their stuff from. Now you have some offshoots like Ohio. You got Watershed that's doing some stuff for people. 
Um, you you also now have Bardstown Bourbon Company that's BBC. doing a lot for people. Yeah, BBC is doing a lot for people a right lot. now. They're actually actually they're one but of they the don't, first ones that they actually, don't quite have the age of like your no. MGPs or Dick like. George Dickel, you can source a 12 to 17-year product from them, which is just crazy. And it's all going to taste like mothballs. It does kind of do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, that it, it's kind of cool to see that because, like like BBC, one and maybe other ones are doing this. I, I know MGP is doing this now, but BBC is actually part of their model is if you have a brand and you want to have them do it, they'll age it there for you. They'll bottle it there for yeah. you. And your brand can be right out of BBC. Yeah. I mean, isn't that what Green River is doing now? Uh, so Green River is owned by BBC. They're owned by them now. Now okay. they're taking part in the contract distillation for other brands. Yeah. So you can have your stuff <laughs> produced, sort, like produced, aged, bottled at the green river distillery yeah just like you can at bbc right yeah so i mean that's that's pretty cool too you know like i've, I've been seeing in it's been happening a lot over the last four or five years maybe even longer than that but i've seen a lot in the last six months of new um celebrities that are coming out with their own bourbon. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. They're going to these distilleries to do that and say, make me a bourbon. You know, some of them sure have, have input on what they want. Some of them probably don't care. Yeah. But, you know, they're, they're creating, I mean, Blacken did that. Yeah. Blacken is all from, um, from the Metallica boys. Yeah. They, 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 and they did a lot with Willet. With Willet, yeah, movies. exactly. Um, you got your new, you know, Buble. He's got his coming out, which yeah. I can't remember who he got it with. But um, it, it was sourced from Canada, and so Cana from which Heaven makes Hill. sense because he's a Canadian, and why would yeah. he not do that? But just thinking, it, it, like, what if you were to choose one bottle from for Kentucky whiskey? Like, this represents Kentucky whiskey. What would it be for you? Right. No, well, like, what would you choose? If, Kentucky. If, yeah. Heaven Hill's my jam. I would have to agree, and I, 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 I would love say Heaven Hill. Heaven Hill bottled in Bond. Oh yeah, I, I would. Say, and I would even say I would even take that one step further. I would say the new Heaven Hill bottled in Bond. Yeah, because I love the old, but mm -hmm. the new one, just a year older, is a totally different animal now. It is. It's and honestly, it's worth the jump from twenty to fifty bucks. And uh, those have been sitting on shelves at Meyer. Yes, everywhere. And if you don't Please have one of those, one. get one. Just get one. Those don't buy one on secondary. Um, there's no need for that. If you see the Heaven Hill blue and white label, just get uh, it. Seven year, buy it, and maybe buy a couple bottles because you're going to want them. And I will say another thing too with that is. The, the JTS Browns or the JW Dan or any of those like Heaven Hill Bottle and Bond, lower age statement, yeah. bourbons, you're going to pay 15, 20, 20, you know, someone that yeah. range uh, uh, for them. Buy those for your cocktails because they're delicious. They're good by themselves, but then buy the Heaven Hill Bottle and Bond as your, as your pour. Yeah. And you're still only going to pay 50 bucks for a really great pour. Um, yeah. That, yeah, but Meyer, I, it's Heaven at that Hill is like my jam. Forty-four dollar range, so it's for Heaven Hill Bottom Bond. Yeah, forty-two, forty-four. It's a hell of a price for that bourbon because that bourbon. Yeah, I, I find myself going back to that a lot, a yeah, lot more I, than I used to. I mean, for uh, a whiskey that represents Kentucky, I I either have to say that or uh, Henry McKenna Ten. Yeah, I mean, Still, honestly, you could even say Buffalo Trace, just because they have such a name and everyone knows them. 
Um, Buffalo Trace is not typically my jam, except for when you get to like the Stag Junior yeah. and some I, of that stuff. But I would have to make the argument that Heaven Hill, like the general flavor palette of most Heaven Hill offerings is closest to traditional traditional Kentucky. Kentucky. I agree. Um, I agree. That nuttiness in there is something that carries through through the beam catalog yeah. and uh, some of the old Forester offerings and uh, even some Michters still have that yeah. nutty quality that is just like, this is Kentucky. Well, and and saying that too and, and throwing beam in the loop here too, you know, you can't you can't throw a rock at any distillery in Kentucky and they don't have a beam influence. Yeah. They all have had either somebody from the beam family or yeah. someone from the distillery that's been a part of their distillery. And that's why when you have a place like Heaven Hill or Beam or or Buffalo Tree, any of those makers, yeah. um, Turkey, all those, when they have a distillery fire, all the other distilleries come together and make sure that they're they're yeah, taken they care of. Um because everyone's in the family. It's it's yeah. family. And yeah. that's one thing I do appreciate about Kentucky bourbon. And I'm seeing that in other states now too, like Texas specifically. You know, they're it's a family. All of them love each other. All of them work together and they do stuff together. And they're working together to promote the Texas whiskey category. Absolutely. In general. Well, I mean, it was kind of fun down at the, the Bastards Ball at, at Crowded Barrel, you know, Crowded Barrel's really, really new to the scene. Um, but they won a huge award in Texas as the best single malt in Texas. And the funny thing was, you know, Rex is standing up on the stage talking to everybody, and you've got Balcones over here, you got Still Austin over here, you got Iron Road over here, you got all these distilleries that have all worked together, and really all of them have worked hard with Crowded Barrel to make sure they succeeded. And he's out there just saying, hey, guys, we won – we won best single malt, you know. And the funny thing is, they won the best single malt, and the guys from um, Still or um, Iron Root were the ones that actually um, smoked the grains for them. Yeah. So they all work together yeah. because they're all it trying to create something. And it was just more of a thing. like, look what we did, and by the way, look what we did. And I thought that was pretty special. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we would say a bottle like Henry McKinnon or Heaven Hill bottled in bond for kentucky yeah what absolutely. would you do for tennessee tennessee you, you gotta go jack yeah i mean jack which, is which the, jack offering though um i honestly i would probably say just straight single barrel um, that's what i was thinking probably the well. low proof one because it still tastes great but it's a lot more palates yeah. for us obviously it's the barrel proof yeah um but even 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 that new um triple mash triple mash yeah because it has a blend of all three of their mashes. Um, but I think for something being iconic, it's got to be Jack. Tennessee, it's just got to be Jack. And that's the thing, you know, if you're, if you're a, if you want to buy cheap bourbon and you're mixing with a Coke or something, Jack number seven is still probably one of the biggest selling bourbons for, for Cokes. That's why it's called Jack and Coke. I mean, yeah. everyone knows it. There's Anytime actually a I'm Jack a and Coke in a bot in a can now. Yeah. There's a reason why Coke partnered with Jack to do that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Jack and Coke or Beam and Coke. Yeah. Those are your, those are your two things. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Tennessee for sure. And uh, that's the thing. It's like, you, you got Chat 111. They're from, te- they're from Tennessee. It's a different offering than traditional Tennessee whiskey. Well, but it's still leading If we were doing profiles. this flight, we'd, we'd have to say, these are the iconic profiles mm-hmm. from 
these states. Like these represent what other people in those states, other distilleries are looking to do. Yeah. And that's one thing like with Texas, I would say across the board. Now I will say I like, I love Garrison Brothers now. I love Balcones. Um, some of the crowd barrel stuff I tried, I really liked. I would say for, for them, I would almost have to go back to still Austin. That's because, what I was thinking. You know, yeah. Now, are, are there outliers of Balcones and Garrison Brothers and stuff that I like more? Yeah. But as a traditional bourbon, I feel like their profile is really good. And they work with Nancy Fraley, which has an amazing palate. Yeah. Um, and she does barrel picks every month, and they sell out of those barrel picks every month mm-hmm. um, with still Austin. And uh, I would say I would have to probably give them the nod on that one. They may not be the biggest of, of all of them there, but... They have done the best for the Texas whiskey name across the states. Yeah, and I would almost have to say Balcones is really close to them, too. I would, but... The only difference is Balcones, Balcones does younger a lot of, offerings burned a lot of people on Texas whiskey. Did they? Okay. Yeah. Because so, I feel like Balcones alone, across the board, they do a lot more different finishes, different, different product lines. Yeah. Still, Austin's really more leaning towards whiskey bourbon yeah texas whiskey and it's like you know they they don't do a lot of those outliers like balcones one thing about balcones is true blue one of the best blue corn whiskeys i've ever had cast strength but you do the baby blue it's not good it's not great it's too low a proof for what it is it's kind of like going back to the to to jason's you know sweet corn the castring sweet corn was really good, but when he proofed it down to 80 proof, it was not drinkable. Well, it's, it's just, just like, it, you know, don't proof it down. That sweetness still carries through, but there's none of the spice anymore once mm-hmm. it's proofed down to balance it out. Um, Gary, don't you worry. For Missouri, we got to go Wood Hat. Wood Hat. I, I don't to- know anyone else in Missouri that's, one, making whiskey, but, two, that could probably even hold a candle. No, not even close. Not even... No, there's no nothing close at all. And actually, we're we're in the process of talking about doing an orange corn pick there. Yeah, and that is some of the best sweet corn bourbon I've ever had in my life. And we're we're going to be doing one of those. Um, I know Will's been talking about doing it here soon. So, and uh, his for th- for you guys that are watching, you'll probably see that Rob and I are relighting our cigars a couple times. We're that's talking. not because of the cigar. That's mm. just because we keep running our mouths. Um. I think for, I think for Georgia it would have to be Thirteenth Colony now. That, th- oh yeah, yeah, they seem to have a. I mean, they. And they got them. I still haven't those here soon. I haven't tried any of the Thirteenth Colony stuff, but I they, Will brought some. Did he not bring some? He could have. I I can't remember. I, I don't quite remember um, if he did. He brings a lot of samples. Yeah, he does. But and that we appreciate yes we definitely yes. appreciate there my whiskey palette has been greatly expanded just well, by knowing you and i would like to i, I do want to shout out eric jansen um so eric you know if you if you know eric or if you've ever met him he's he's the redhead with a cowboy hat most of the time yeah um and he's in here quite a bit he's and if he doesn't married. have a uh, cowboy hat he definitely looks like he's farmed oh yeah 100 percent. and he is he's from yeah. a farming family um he was in here, um, we're recording on a Friday. He was in here last night, and he invited a bunch of people just to come hang out. Yeah. It was the eighth anniversary from uh, of his dad's passing, and it was just a celebration of his dad's life. 
And yeah. there were so many great bottles brought out to sample and to share. He brought in his favorite eight-year bourbons. I think he brought like seven bottles of different ones to try. It was really cool. And that's honestly, that is, to me, the epitome of a bourbon event. Yeah. It's a celebration. It's a celebration of something. Whatever's going on. Maybe you got a promotion. Maybe maybe it's Tuesday and you're wanting to celebrate. You know, bring maybe some people together. Maybe it's just a celebration of drinking good whiskey yeah. with people you There love. is nothing like that. I mean, I know I know I'm more of a I'm more of an introvert where I like to be I like to be by myself a lot and I have to do that to recharge, but there's nothing like hanging out with with buddies that are into bourbon and, and cigars. And just hanging out and sharing pours and and just doing life together. I mean, it, it's it's there's nothing like it yeah. at all. And last night was just a fantastic I mean, night of that. Last night the table had on it. We uh, probably had thirty five bottles up here at one point. Yeah, but I, I the ones that stuck out for me was a Jack Daniel's twelve. We had a. Um, yeah, but I didn't see that on the table. Yeah, it was here. Shit. Uh, Maker's Cellar Age was here, which. We both did on last show, and it was freaking delicious. So good, so good. Isaiah sniped that I, bottle last night. Well, Will was kind enough to give that to me, and I thank you. I well, and that's can't the thing thank too. you enough for it. Uh, and it, that's a great point too, because Will bought that bottle because we've all been wanting to try it. And he bought it. It wasn't his jam. It wasn't. And it's like it was the best makers I've ever had. Period. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I know it's definitely think so, the best for definitely. me. But it wasn't his jam, and that's, that's cool. It's like that's something else that I think a lot of people don't realize, don't do is if you get a good group of friends together, and you buy a bottle and you share it with your buddies. Everyone buys something special, and it's like I don't like this as much, but I like that better. And you don't like that as much, but you like this better. Swap bottles, man. Yeah. That's what the fun of this is. Don't yeah. worry about the price points. If you like it, you like it, and just just go with it. Yeah, I mean, my jam last night that. I didn't even drink the cellar age because I there was a little bit left by the time I got You're here. You're gonna baby the rest of that bottle. Well, and um, I know Isaiah Long, which he's been on the show before. Huge, huge makers fan, huge makers fan. And if he hasn't had this yet, he's gonna he hasn't die. And I'm saving the rest of it to uh, share with him. But he's the type that there's a couple there's a couple stores in Nashville when they release makers picks he goes out of his way to buy them yeah because he loves those stores palette and he also just is absolutely in love with makers like I am I haven't well, found I have not found stores that have a similar makers palette as I do here in Nashville there was a uh, Nashville Bourbon Social Club MBSC is in uh, Nashville. They're a Facebook group, also a bourbon club. They kill it with their makers' picks. They had one called, I think it was like white chocolate um, cinnamon truffle. Ooh. And it, and they release them around Christmas every single year. And that's still one of those bottles that I just regret never being able to get one. Yeah. It, but it, well, it, it, like, like Bother's makers' pick that he brought in yeah. um, and gave us a sample of on the show. Such a good maker's pick. Oh, that was the the two we had. Yeah, last show wasn't it? Uh, one before last. One before, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, that and that was good. I liked that a lot too. Yeah, and that's something funny too. It's like we're sitting here talking about, you know, the Kentucky bur. You got makers and four roses fall in the same category for yeah. me. They're very they're more floral, and that's not my jam. But just like you know, like any distillery, 
Four Roses. I, I don't drink a lot of Four Roses, but that, what was it, the OESK yeah. from Elite Beverage I had, freaking delicious. Yeah. It was amazing. So you're going to find, from every distiller, you're going to find something in your palate range eventually. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think about it the same way that I do foods. Okay, forever, I thought I didn't like Brussels sprouts, and then I went to a barbecue place that did fried Brussels sprouts <laughs> in, uh, with some sort of dry rub on them, and I was like, Holy crap, I love Brussels sprouts. I'm the same way, man. Yeah. I always hated Brussels sprouts because you always had the boiled ones that are just like, Ugh. but when they, yeah. Like I, bitter I'm the same little way. cabbages. And then you, uh, but that's the way I think about food is I just haven't tried the right preparation yet. I'm sure I will like something from this distillery. I just you. haven't had the right offering yet. I just haven't had Brussels sprouts cooked the right way yet that hit my palate. So some other states. The maybe yeah, I mean like Colorado, yeah. Um, Who, who's your pick? I I would have to say Stranahan's out of Colorado. Stranahan's is probably the most well known out of Colorado. I really love Peach Street. What they're doing at Cask String now, and they didn't release a lot of Cask String stuff because yeah. that's just not the Colorado palette. But now they're starting to put out more of their Cask String stuff. I love the Peach Street stuff, um, but again. It is a different animal. I mean, you're using you're using grains from another part of the country, and it's nice. But Stranahan's across the board is probably what you would think of as Colorado whiskey. Yeah. Are there any yeah. other states you can think of? Um, what? Okay, Canadian. What? What would be Canadian for you? Canadian. That, I would have to go with uh, the Alberta Premium Rye. Okay. Cash strength rye. I, I think that is so distinctly Canadian, and it's a palate that you only get in Canada. Okay. Their ryes come off more pepperminty to me than anything else. And okay. I'm, I don't, you know, that's not a rye for me all season long, but it's, you get some snow on the ground. Like, you bet I'm open up that Canadian. That, well, uh, Alberta even, premium rye. Even that one that um, that Luke gave us last week to try that Canadian Club 12 yeah. year, that one reminds me of a Canadian whiskey. Is it one we're going to seek after? Probably not because it was a little lower proof. Yeah. But it, it had that Canadian kind of feel. I mean, I know but, a lot of people know Crown and stuff yeah, like that. I mean, Canada here is really known for their rye. Like a lot of the old whistle pig stuff was high aged Canadian rye. I didn't know that. And, uh, okay. and and they've changed over now. I think Whistle Pig's in Vermont. Now, if you want the best Canadian, I think that we have around here, it's that Old Bones, seventeen-year-old oh, Canadian gosh. rye from Backbone. Yeah. Oh my gosh, one thirty-five proof, but oh gosh, man, is it so beautiful! Good. It's beautiful. That's going to be. That is probably going to be my winter pour. Oh, it has to I be. Mean, yeah. Just curl it's up, warm you up. Curl up by the fire. Yep, with yep. That Old Bones in. I'll be in my happy place. So, where's then, Sagamore out of? Sagamore. Are they Maryland? Uh, or New York? I got to look it up because whatever it is, they They're want North it for East. their state. Yeah, and they and they do for sure. You know, I mean, if, I, if I'm if i looking at like Ohio, I mean, I, I think Watershed does a lot of good stuff out of Ohio. Um but they're they're very similar to Indiana, where they have a lot of younger distilleries that are that are up and coming. Um, I really love um, High West. High West out of Columbus is is or not High West, um, High Bank. Yeah, um, they're they're making some great whiskey right now, and I feel like they're they're doing it a little different to be 
an Ohio whiskey. Yeah. So Sagamore is out of Maryland. Okay. So Maryland. Okay. Yeah. So you would do High Bank for Ohio? I honestly, right now, I would just because I love I love that product. It's so good. Um, and well, and also not for only, these other distilleries that I take we're that talking back. about. We are not talking about sourced brands. Okay, no. eyes out of Ohio. I think that would be a great contender, but it is sourced. It is, yeah. Which, again, we say this all no. the time. There's nothing wrong with sourced whiskey. Nothing wrong. But for this flight that we're creating, a spirit that represents the state, the state, yeah, it's got to be there. What would you do? You've been to Michigan so yeah. much more than I have. And what would you do? Their scene continues to change. You know, you got journeymen. Yeah. You also have uh, the dragon's milk stuff coming out of there. I will say that the dragon's milk cask strength is delicious. Um, I would not put that as your, this is this is representing Michigan. Yeah. It's an off-liar. I think it's very, 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 very good. Um, even the origin, the original origin dragon's milk, which was lower proof, I think it was, was it 100 proof or maybe it was less than 100 proof? Yeah. Um, it was delicious too. Um, I would almost just because I really like a lot of their stuff. I would almost have to say maybe Traverse City. Yeah. Um, because they do a lot, and they also stick. They they also go heavy. And again, we're not flavored whiskey guys, but they go heavy into the whole Michigan thing. And Michigan cherries are freaking amazing. And they do a cherry cherry whiskey there. That's their number one seller, and people love it because. They're making cocktails with it. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but I bet that'd be a fantastic old-fashioned. Oh, I, I, yeah, it is. I've yeah. had it up there before. Yeah. It's very, very good. Um, but even their um, their barrel-proof stuff, old-fashions are great, too. Totally. But, yeah, I'd say them for Michigan, probably for, just for me. Um, Journeyman's on the on the road up. They're, they're making some great stuff. But I would say Journeyman, and you say this a lot, I feel like Journeyman's definitely more grain-forward than what Traverse City is. Yeah. Traverse City is a little bit better balanced, but you're going to get all the grain notes out of every one of the whiskeys that you're going to get out of Journeyman for sure. Yeah. Um, Illinois, I mean, I, I love the Whiskey Acre stuff. I don't really know of any... I don't, there's not any really big distilleries in, in Illinois. I, I would have no problem giving it to Whiskey Acres. Yeah. I mean, the stuff like, that they've come out with is very agriculturally focused. Mm -hmm. And I love that for an agriculture state. But, and, but the, the only problem with Whiskey Acres is, again, they're small. But you're in a state where there's not a lot going out. I mean, Koval might be the biggest distillery in Illinois, maybe. Yeah, know. but Koval sucks. But I'm not a big fan of Koval. I mean, I'm, you, but I'm just you know saying what? I take bigger. that back. If you like Koval, that's great. Oh yeah, I have never had a Koval offering. We've to blow my I've mind. only had one. Yeah. Um. So I I can't really say much about their product, but I don't know. I mean, because there, there's a like a there's this one called um, Stumpy's, which is out of like just east of St. Louis, and um, some of their their castring stuff was really good, um, but. They're more known for their flavored stuff. Yeah. Like their, their lemon whiskey and stuff like that. Yeah. Made for cocktails. Um, good stuff, but, you know, that will be a fun state to see how things go. But Illinois is just like East, East California on their politics, and I don't know if there's a lot of laws prohibiting them from doing stuff. I don't yeah. know. But I don't know. I mean, are there any other states really kind of – 
hitting the ground running right now. I mean, Georgia's starting to kind of come yeah, up a little Georgia bit. The Carolinas. Some of the Carolinas. ones that Will has brought us from um, North Carolina have been really good. And I, it's escaping well, me the names of He brought us uh, a Louisiana whiskey that was fantastic. Yes. I, I, I forget who it was. Um, oh, I can't remember either. Louisiana is another one I think that's going to be up and running here soon. Um, why not? You're you're yeah. You're already the party city. I mean, you might as yeah. well start throwing some good stuff out there. Yeah. I I think it would be a fun thing for us to eventually put together a flight of these are these are states. Yeah, these state these are favorites. the states. Yeah, you know. Um, I would it, like, like if we have to buy some more whiskey. Well, if we had a Patreon page or something like that, it would be <laughs> it, it would be fun to like say, okay, here's what we're offering to our people. Like, here's an opportunity to buy a flight and do it with us. Like, even on a live stream of just say, like, let's run this flight together. Like, you yeah. and I probably would not be drivable at the end of the no, day. no, that'd be that'd be a fun day. Um, and that's that's one thing too. You know, I know we've we've actually been growing the page quite a bit, and a lot of people from other states are coming in. If there's a distillery you love out there, um, in your state that that you love us to try, you know, put together a couple little um, little one or two ounce little bottles and send them to us. You know, reach out to me and I can yeah. send you an address or something like that. We'd love to try some other distilleries around because, you know, not all of them are distributing to our state yet, but you know, after you know, Will introduced us to Wood Hat. The you know, Will is actually um, part owner of a of a distribution, yeah. um, a, a distributor, distributor, a liquor distributor. Um, you know what? They're always looking for new good bourbons around the country that they can bring into our state, and that's a nice way to do it with a smaller distillery. It's actually going to go out and sell your pro, sell their product. distributor. Yeah to sell your product they'll come out and do it um yeah i mean frey ranch is getting a whole bunch of publicity right now um and we saw them we had a little um a tasting here one day a frey ranch stuff it was good and i think they're starting to get notoriety i think i think there's a a celebrity that's working with frey ranch right now and doing something too yeah. So, well, and uh, out of Washington, you have a couple, but I think the one that's taken that uh, that state by a storm has been Dry Fly out of Spokane. Okay. And I've heard of them. I'm they're not. putting out a ton of single barrel offerings that are hazmat or around there, and they're just so creative with what grains they're using and what they're doing. Um, well, all- I'm anxious to try. Um, so. Will went down to with Fred Minnick's group down to Key West to the Hemingway Distillery down yeah. there, and they picked a rye um, to to bring up here. I'm I'm anxious to try that because they fell in love with it. You yeah. know, obviously they're more known for their their um, rums, the rums, the Pilar, Papa Pilar, yeah, and all that. Pilar. And um, which so, are which are great. They are great. They're, they're a great rum, and we do have both of them or two of them on here. We got the sherry cask and the um, the blonde rum. Yeah. And um, but I'm anxious to try the the rye because it's again another one I've never tried, um, but yeah I mean that, that's that's one of the most fun things to do is just when you, when you're traveling just pick you know 
research a couple of distilleries. Just stop by and try their stuff because you never know. You're going to find maybe a distillery that you absolutely love. And typically, uh, distilleries will have better offerings there yeah. than they do at uh, liquor stores. So unless- And a lot of them only release them at the distillery because yeah. they're small enough where they can't distribute. And, you know, that's, that's great. I mean, that's why, you know, some of these distilleries we've talked about, they'll have special releases at the distillery because it may be one barrel. Yeah. And you're talking 120 to 200 200 bottles max. They're going to sell them at the distillery because they can. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm getting into the final third of this cigar. On the palate, the the baking spices have really ramped up. They're becoming more spicy. There's a lot of red pepper on the retrohale. Um, it is definitely full body territory. Okay. Uh, with the whiskey, there's just so much. Uh, and I'm on the Garrison Brothers right now. That sweetness really carries through and brings back some of that like spicy gingerbread qualities that I've been talking about. This cigar really is complex and changes throughout the entire smoke. It does. I, I remember smoking it last night, and I was just blown away. Um, the Osgener family stuff should not be slept on whatsoever. No, the no. Aramis that came out this year, this that came out, they're just wonderful. They really are. They are wonderful offerings. And uh, for as small as the brand is right now, it's not going to be small long. No, no. I, I think they're doing some good stuff. And again, I think we might have said this before, but Ogener is the O in CAO. Yeah. And when he and then they left left there, this is now their new brand. They're not new to the industry by any means. No. And they've partnered with Crowned Heads and they're doing amazing stuff. And they are. We're excited about that. Um, one thing I will tell you is so we um here recently, it was actually just this week, um, Dirk released and Dirk is Indiana Bourbon on all the Instagram and Facebook pages. Um, but he also runs the end of watch program which again, that, that is a program that all the money raised on bottle sales goes to end of watch, which is giving money back to families of fallen officers. And this last year has been brutal, man. I think there's been like eight officers in a year, which is unheard of in, in Indiana. Indiana. That's yeah. in just Indiana. That's unheard of. Usually it's no more than maybe two or three at the most. Um, so he's been raising money on that. The, the latest one was a hard truth, sweet mash rye. Um, and people are coming in here picking them up now. Um, I think last time I checked, he still had a few bottles on his website to sell. And they're at so, a good price. How many? 18. So he's got 18 left as of recording. So by Monday, it'll probably be a little less than that. But 79 still, bucks, which is the normal price for a hard truth ride. Exactly. He's not overcharging in any way at all. But, um, but it's a, a barrel pick. In, uh First of all, you can be assured that the palette that picked it is wonderful. Yeah, um, Dirk, Dirk has a fantastic palette. His wife has a great palette. Yeah. The other, the, one of their buddies was on that um, pick, and I was the other one. We had four of us on that, and um, and I and I'll be totally transparent. I picked a different barrel as my number one. This was my number two. The only reason I picked the other ones because I think it was a lot more complex. Yeah. But the one they picked was definitely more of a crowd pleaser. It's yeah. definitely more for across the board, and it's delicious and it's been selling. And you know, if you know Dirk, he always does an amazing bottle hanger tag um, to 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 basically have a tribute to the officers. This one was for I believe all the state police, 
that had fallen. It was five officers that had fallen last year in the state police realm. And he has a, a badge with all their names on it. Um, I, I'm still happy to see that most of the picks pickups have been officers coming in yeah. that were able to get that to tribute their fallen buddies, you know? And, and it's a great cause, and it's also a great way to get a bottle. Yeah. Um, he's not cheating anybody. Nope. Um, and you're not really paying charity prices for these bottles. Well, and I, I will tell you, a lot of them have, a lot of people have been buying two bottles for the sole purpose of I'm cracking one and I'm holding on to one as a tribute. Um, That's honestly the way to go with these tribute bottles. If you're wanting to save one as a tribute, always buy another one to try it because everything Dirk's going to pick is going to be good. Yeah. And um, so that, that's just one you need to definitely keep an eye on him. If you're not following, following him yet, do so. Um, If you also go to, their website, which we'll 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 tag it on a lot of our posts too. Or if you're in here, you can scan it. If you're looking for a place to just donate some some money to a amazing they are a five hundred one c three. They're a five hundred one c three, so you can write it off on your taxes. But it's also, you know, you're contributing to one of the best causes in our state. Um, you can do that. Um, I know we're getting to the end of the year where a lot of people are trying to find those donations. That would be a great place to do your donation for the end of the year. Um, so you know, definitely consider that because they're, they're near and dear to our heart. We, we love Dirk and his family, yeah. uh, but we love the cause even more. And the, you know, the other thing is we're coming on the end of the year. If you are looking for a gift for a, an officer or somebody in that line of work, um, that would be an amazing thing to get them. Absolutely. Even yeah. if it's not something that, that they're looking for as far as bourbon, or, or rye, like just telling them that story and how even you purchasing the bottle supported a family of a fallen officer. Yeah, that's it's a magnificent gift. Well, and in somebody. this world we're in right now, I mean, you're you're starting to see a lot of the political crap on on everything now, and you know you got you got so many of these political sides that are like, you know, we, we went through a lot of defunding of officers in cities around the country and stuff like that. It's like. That's not the answer. Um, I'm sorry if that's where you feel, but I, that's not the answer. There, of course, in any, any situation, in any business, in any line of work, there are assholes yeah. in every line of work. Don't, don't judge the entire you know, officer community based on the outliers because 99% uh-huh. of those guys are amazing people being underpaid to protect us and keep us safe is like, we need to support that. So you can do yeah. that. If you're in here and you ever want to do it, we've got a scan code. You can go right to their memo page and immediately donate their website. He's getting ready to add a donate button. So we won't belabor that, but that's something we want to do. Also, we want to thank Derek. We do because we get so many people loving this table that we, that we record on. Um, he just does amazing yeah. woodworking. Look him up. Look Deadwood him up. live. Deadwood on Live Facebook. on Facebook. Um, reach out to Derek. He can make you something amazing that's one of a kind for your bar. Um, and it's, it, yeah, we can't say enough about his work. So 
Thank you guys for listening in. Man, um, Rob, this is a wonderful pairing. It is. And it's going to be up on the pairing board um, through the end of November. Yep. Um, check out the Pie Anastasia Red and ch- give Chattanooga Whiskey 111 a try. Absolutely. I promise you, you are not going to be disappointed whatsoever with it. Nope. And uh, it's 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 wonderful. All the honey notes, all of the baking spice notes. Um well, might be a perfect fall-winter pairing as I far agree. as that goes. And just kind of a little precursor to next week, um, we'll probably be doing the uh, Penelope Toasted Rye on the yeah. show. Heck yeah. We just got that in, so we'll have that on the shelf. We've got a Kentucky Owl up here. We've got the new Heaven's Hill or Heaven Door um, 10th Year Decade Series. Absolutely. So those are coming. So you can follow me on Instagram at Final Third Cigar. You can find me on Instagram at The Whiskey Pastor. Thanks for listening in, and we will see you next week. Cheers. Hey, be sure to reach out to us. Please We're do. always there. Please do. Yes. See you soon. Cheers. Cheers.